Hey, my name is Jason. I'm the producer of It Starts With Attraction. I wanted to let you know that we have a brand new website solely dedicated to working on your pies. Introducing ItStartsWithAttraction.com. You can listen to every episode, learn about the pies, and sign up for our weekly newsletter. Go to ItStartsWithAttraction.com. It starts with attraction, one word. It starts with attraction.com to get signed up today. Long gone are the days where getting less sleep was seen as a badge of honor. We have learned so much in research and psychology and physiologically about how sleep impacts our bodies and why our bodies need sleep so much. So if you're one of those people where you're saying, I only need four hours or I I only need six hours of sleep, I'm really going to challenge you to reevaluate that, especially in light of the science. We know that our bodies need that time asleep to recover, to rejuvenate, to reset our creativity, to repair our muscles in order to build our immune system. There are so many things that happen in our bodies as we sleep that make us better, more relational, more patient, more creative, harder workers for the hours that we're awake and to feel better, feel less stressful, reduce inflammation in our bodies, and even control our appetite. But it all starts with getting an amazing night sleep. That is why for this year, I have made my number one goal to get great sleep every single night. And I have specific ways that I'm going to be tracking this, and I I know what I'm looking for, but I have set a bedtime ritual and even a wake-up ritual that I am sticking to because I understand now the importance of sleep and how it affects me in reducing my own stress and being able to take on my next day and have thriving relationships with my husband, with my children, and with all of the people that I encounter on a day-to-day basis. And I know it all starts with sleep. All of the other goals that I want to achieve this year, I cannot do if I'm not getting great sleep. In today's podcast, we speak with Molly McLaughlin, who is the founder and starter of the website and the course, Sleep is a Skill, which came from her own experience with insomnia, not getting enough sleep, and how that negatively affected her. In this episode, we're going to break down how you can get a better night's sleep, some of the key things that you need to do, and why you don't need to wait. Now is the time to begin sleeping better. Let's dive in. Hey, my name is Kimberly Beam Holmes, and this is It Starts With Attraction, where we discuss how to become the most attractive that you can be physically, intellectually, emotionally, and spiritually, or as us insiders call it, the pies. You can become more attractive to others and most importantly, to yourself. We will teach you how. Let's dive in. If you've ever wanted to know what your attractiveness score is, then I have a free guide that you're going to want to go and download. Now, I'm going to tell you that this isn't going to be like those quizzes or surveys or tests that you see online that are like, how hot are you or how sexy are you? Because I think those end up making people feel worse about themselves at the end than ever before. This free attraction assessment guide that I have created is a no gimmicks, truthful and honest representation of of how you can assess yourself and see the areas of attraction 
that you feel most confident in and the areas of attraction where you need opportunity for growth. It's not going to be done in a way that makes you feel worse about yourself, but is going to give you real tools and tactics that you can begin to implement after you know which areas you should focus a little more on and which ones you're already slaying. You can go and get your free guide at itstartswithattraction.com. You'll see the opt-in form in the lower right-hand corner, and it'll be emailed to you immediately. I can't wait to hear about your results and your scores and the way that you decide to make some changes in your life so that you can be the most attractive that you can be. Go and get your free guide at itstartswithattraction.com. Also a reminder, just so you know, that the content in this podcast is not intended to constitute or be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. And I always recommend that you seek the advice of your doctor or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions that you may have in regards to any medical condition. Never disregard professional medical advice or delay in seeking help or medical help because of something you have heard in this podcast. This is simply a tool to provide you information so that you can go and get the results and the help that you need. So how did you get involved in caring about sleeping more? Uh, So absolutely great question. I, uh, my story is that for many, many years, I was doing all the things sort of not to do for your sleep, uh, identified as a insomniac, a night owl, a short sleeper, uh, all of these things. I kind of put these labels on myself and that was how I operated. And I didn't think it was much of a problem. And that's just how it was. Uh, and as an entrepreneur living in the middle of Manhattan, I was you know, burning the candle at both ends. Uh, and the, my tendencies and habits of late night you know, pulling all nighters or late nights, um, just began to stack more and more. And I didn't correlate getting sick more regularly, heightened levels of anxiety, um, changes in, um, hormones, especially, you know, for women as it relates to sleep can be really, uh, really impactful and didn't, didn't connect the dots with all of that. Um, and it really didn't come to a head until I went through my own period of insomnia while traveling internationally. Uh, my boyfriend and I, been uh, digital nomads for about three and a half years. Before that, when we kind of dipped our toe in the water, we're traveling internationally. And for about three months of that, I just wasn't sleeping. And it was just night after night. Um, And really, I I thought I was like losing my mind. It was so scary. And and just this question of, is it always going to be like this? Uh, Lack of power in that area. Um, I would see other, you know, kids in airports and what have you just asleep and just every, you know, it was also natural what seemed like for everyone else. And I just was not coming to me. Um, and it really reached ahead when I went, I was in Croatia at the time, couldn't speak the language, went in with, uh, Google translate to, um, a, a doctor's office and said that I couldn't sleep and needed, you know, like help. And they didn't know what to do with me beyond just, you know, giving me their version of Ambien. Um, and in that moment, it was very much a kind of realization that if I was going to really make a difference with this, I was going to need to you know, take matters into my own hands because the the path wasn't going to be so laid out for me. Um, 
But on the plus side, it really had me go down the rabbit hole and learn all that there was to learn for for me. Around, um, you know, really understanding chronobiology, circadian rhythm optimization, and now on the other side of it, actually having a life where I sleep more quantifiably, certainly than I ever had before, but actually have attained levels of sleep optimization that are just you know I didn't think were possible for me, um, and so it's really become, it's changed my whole life basically. And from that place, I just didn't stop talking about it. So it began just organically working with people and sharing what I had learned. Uh, and then it grew from there to small groups and now online courses and podcasts and newsletters and all these things. Uh, so it's really exciting. And I think we're at an exciting kind of precipice around, uh, people's interest and from a place of needing to make a difference with their sleep. So, um, I do think even though it was a challenging, very much like a rock bottom period in my life, it actually ended up being a real blessing in disguise. I have already four questions. I have to remember all of these for you. The first one I'm going to ask you is what is the number one thing or maybe the top three when people come to you that they're saying, this is what I'm struggling with, with my sleep? If when people come to me around their sleep, there's a number of things that they might be dealing with, but typically they tend to fall into a couple, you know, buckets and it's, um, some sort of version of difficulty, either falling asleep or staying asleep. Um, and then for those people, then we often then sort out and suss out what, um, could be underlying because there's a number of things, but so the best way to do that is often to kind of have a couple frameworks to, by which to approach it from. So one, the overarching framework that we use is called the sleep tripod. So it's understanding that in order to have workability within our sleep, like any good tripod, you have to have, you know, three working legs and one leg being psychology, the second leg being your physiology and the third leg being your environment. If any of those are kind of out of whack, uh, then, you know, your sleep sleep is likely to be impacted. Uh, so we're first identifying, is there one obvious one that's maybe a bit more just like that we want to go up under, uh, quickly. So, and for, and often it can be obvious, you know, someone just had a divorce, um, you know, they, they have a thyroid issue falling into the physiology, um, component. They have, vitamin D deficiency, uh, they, their environment is one where they're traveling a lot or jet lag, or, um, certainly in, you know, uh, current times, 2020 and beyond, it seems to be, uh, just, you know, kind of no work life balance and, um, you know, on the computer a lot with the light exposure. So that framework is one, but then the really exciting framework that's still, um, I think many people aren't as attuned to that can really impact our sleep and can, uh, uh, make a difference with the that original problem of falling asleep or staying asleep. That framework is called circadian rhythm entrainment, and that's really the um, the crux of what we do, which is helping to strengthen our circadian rhythm. Because I think many of us don't know that our circadian rhythm exists on a spectrum, and it can either be strong or weak. And I would make the argument that the average person, certainly if they're coming to me, but also in you know Western environments, are having a weakened circadian rhythm. So. Uh, if we look at the framework from that, circadian rhythm entrainment is about entraining uh, the our physiology to help make this all automatic. So you don't really have to think about 
oh, okay, now it's time to go to sleep. You know, I have to take 9 million supplements or all of these things that, you know, many people are thinking that they need to do. Uh, if we strengthen that circadian rhythm, that can make a difference. So that top down, the most important thing for our circadian rhythm is light. Uh, and so if we're looking at that, it actually begins first thing when you're waking up in the morning, not you know, something where you're just thinking about it when you're turning off the light to go to bed, you are actually really thinking about this from the start of your day and ensuring that uh, first thing that you're getting full spectrum light. So that really looks like getting outside, getting sunlight, but particularly in your eyes, because uh, your eyes are directly connected to your suprachiasmatic nucleus, which is a spot in your brain that basically just speaks to um, your master clock. Essentially, it, it, it acts as your master clock and it speaks to your body to kind of uh, create a cascade of, uh, in, uh, of, of effects. So that can look like hormones um, that are functioning. So for instance, cortisol in the morning, we actually want to facilitate that to a healthy level. Um, and having like that natural coffee to get going on the day versus those of us who wake up and we're just like dragging zombie-like. Uh, often we might even be still secreting or um, having uh, melatonin in our... Um, kind of still functioning to a level that we do not want to be having. So that light will act as a cue to suppress that melatonin, shift over to cortisol and start acting as what we call sunlight anchoring. So you want to anchor your day with that sunlight in the beginning, because that actually will have a lot to say about how tired you get and when later on around 16 hours later. So there's a real kind of science to that rhythm. Uh, so paying attention to what that first shot of light is. And for many of us, because, you know, in 2016, the World Health Organization basically put out a stat that uh, the average person is spending over 90% of their days inside. And the reason that that's important, and that was back in 2016, pre-pandemic, pre, you know, uh, work from home, well, not work from home, but certainly a different world, right? Uh, it's likely that now that number is even higher. And so if that's the case, the reason that's a problem is that now we're not exposed to those natural elements that would have been guiding our circadian rhythm for so long. So that light is one of the natural things that we would have um, experienced for thousands of years as hunter gatherers. This was just like innate. We didn't think about it. Uh, you know, there's no one that's having to listen to a podcast to like strategize getting light, you know, cause you just, you were uh, within the elements. Um, but as it relates to that light, you want to be getting as much light as humanly possible during the days and then shifting over once sun sets, you're looking to have as dim of evenings as possible. And some people are like, oh, you know, I got, uh, you know, I've got light, like a couple lights in the, in the living room and no big deal, but not realizing that even just those, because so many of them now are LED efficient. And so those will have high spectrum of um, blue and green light that that will suppress our melatonin really markedly depending on the, on the amount of lux that's output there. So uh, that getting that light right is big. And then the second on the rung of that framework is uh, temperature. And so, and again, if you think back to hunter gatherer days, it would have all been natural. The sun would have not only come up to wake you up with the light, but the heating up of the earth of, of your space where you were, uh, that would be another signal to the body that it's time to get up. We got stuff to do. Now our body temperature is warming. It's at its peak, uh, you know, highest state throughout the day. But then when you're getting into the time to go to sleep, then it's kind it's coming down nicely, a nice cascade down. Many of us are not having that experience anymore because we're just sort of inside. We have, um, you know, a thermostat that's set to the same thing 24 seven. 
all of those cues are missing. So those are two of the top things that we would address first. Um, you know, and there's different elements for different people, of course, but that's an overarching thing that no matter who you are, that's going to make a big difference. Um, and then if you, and then of course we can get more nuanced, but one of the things to be mindful of is that even within that temperature component, there's a bunch of things that will influence our body temperature, including the types of foods we eat, the timing of the foods that we eat is a big one too, that can really heat up our body in ways that we don't want to have when we're trying to go off to sleep, as well as times when you're working out, uh, thought timing, the type of uh, thoughts that you're having can actually have an influence on your, um, on your body and the, the temperature that you're kind of, uh, operating at. Uh, so there's a number of really exciting things. And then of course, some of the maybe common sense, but not realizing the full impact around like, um, chronopharmacology, what looks at the types of drugs that we might be taking in and the timing of that and how that's impacting our physiology. Uh, and so even basic things like, you know, alcohol or caffeine, um, are really going to mess with that, um, thermal regulation that we're looking to be mindful of. So those are some of the things that we would be paying attention to. Oh my goodness. We could spend an hour on each of these. Yes. <laughs> so, so first I just, I have to say this because I don't want people to miss it. When you're talking about getting as much light as you can into your eyes, first thing in the morning, don't wear sunglasses, right? Right. Absolutely. Right. Yes. So just make sure for the listeners to hear that if you go outside and or wearing sunglasses, it's not helpful. It's not helping as much. Um, that is that is so key. I remember when I learned that several years ago and I thought, oh, my goodness, I, I, I don't think I've worn sunglasses in probably five years because I just let it come in. Let the light come in. It'll be fine. It's big. And, and also even th to the point of like baseball hats, um, hoodies, because the thing is, you know, of course, I know I paid attention to the eyes and the connection is super chiasmatic nucleus, but also um, our skin has photoreceptors in it as well. So virtually every cell in our body has its own little internal clock. And so that's all trying to stay in time as well with that master clock. So one of the big signals for that is the amount of light that's hitting our skin. So so being mindful of that is going to be really important. That also feeds into even in the nights when we're looking to have optimal darkness um, that, you know, some people will be like, oh, I'm fine. I got an eye mask. No biggie. Uh, you know, even if there's light in the room, doesn't matter because I don't sense it. But um, our, our skin actually is still taking in cues because our bodies are pretty fascinating that we're able to do that. Uh, so that can still impact the amount of melatonin that's being produced. So being mindful of that. So things like air filters or smoke detectors, take some duct tape and cover up those, cover yes. up those lights. Definitely. And you know, there's, um, I'll get so many type of responses of, or pushback from people, maybe, or maybe not them, but maybe it's their partner that says, oh no, we need to have that own or the clock needs to stay. I need to know what time it is, whatever. One, you know, ideally we want to push back and not have any sort of signs of uh, the time in there because it's just our mental monkey brain will often make a lot of meaning out of that, especially if we wake up the middle of the night and, you know, oh no, I only have three hours left or whatever. Uh, but you can cover that there's, you know, products popping up all over on the market, just, you know, Amazon it, um, of coverings that even will just cover um, to block out the blue and the green element of the light. So at least, you know, you can still be functional so you can still see the light, but it changes the more impactful spectrum um, that we want to kind of block. So that's another option as well. And then, you know, there's literally, you can travel with, um, like electrical black tape, um, you know, that it's like in little circles. So you can easily just plop it on to any of those glowing things. Uh, so it's not 
like Vegas in your uh, in your sleep environment. Right, exactly. Let's talk some about the foods that could change your body temperature. That piqued my interest for sure. So what are some of those things that you may want to be wary of eating at nighttime? Yes. Okay. So first, um, you may want to just know that any sort of eating later on in the um, in the night can influence the body and act as a cue. And even if you just think about it from a logical perspective, if we think back again to that hunter-gatherer kind of blueprint, um, the ability, and that was thousands and thousands of years, it's really only been uh, since Edison, which is not that long of a span of time in human um, history, that we've had the ability to augment our days so drastically. Uh, so since that ability, it's, it's really messed with uh, the sense of us being able to make a difference with uh, what amount of food we can have and when. So if you think about it, the sun would have gone down and there would have been bonfire maybe you know later on in human history and then you're pretty much in bed you were tethered to that um, functioning but now we can easily have you know popcorn wine Netflix whatever till one two three in the morning and it's not that weird anymore um, but if we think back to how that was that would have been very impractical because there's no refrigeration you couldn't really go hunting um, in the middle of pitch blackness uh, so for most people the post sunset you were not eating uh, so first of all we want to see um, if we can test out certain things like circadian rhythm, intermittent fasting, and uh, look at, is it possible to put a bulk of our meal timing within sunrise and sunset? And, you know, just play with that or how are you're as close to sunset as you possibly can and see the, about the quality of your sleep. Um, so even just beginning there, but then even more so what can be problematic is if people do still choose to have food later past that point, are they having um, uh, more carb-rich foods, sugar-rich foods, um, and devoid of fat or protein? Because when that happens, then that can often cause a blood sugar um, kind of response to the glucose element can uh, shoot up and then that can heat up the body. And all of that acts as counter to everything we're trying to design, which is to help guide the body into rest. Uh, so if you want to get sort of nerdy, we have a lot, you know, uh, sleep is a skill is really foundation uh, founded upon an intersection of technology, accountability and behavioral change. So we do have a lot of like tech stuff that we bring in. So I will have a lot of clients wearing continuous glucose monitors and we'll be able to see how much more because of the fact that glucose operates on a circadian rhythm, uh, the spike that will occur for many people when they eat even that same whatever sandwich at 9 p.m. versus 9 a.m. is often going to have a much higher glucose response. Um, so what it speaks to is that we want to start to put more of the bulk of our food earlier on in the day, essentially, is what we're trying to do. And then, you know, almost modeling like early bird special or what have you for our dinners, um, as much as possible. And then on top of that, there's different things that you can do to strategize the impact of that, both glucose spike and then the, um, inevitable, often the crash that can come after that for people. Uh, so you can work with that around, there's certain like supplements you could take activities that you can do, but we're trying to move all of that earlier on in the day is the main takeaway. So what does your day look like for you to have your best sleep that night? 
starting when you wake up, what does that look like for you? Yeah, great question. So uh, first thing, waking up and really just immediately pulling back the shades. Um, You know, we happen to be over in Vegas right now. So we're getting tons of sunlight um, over here. So that's thankfully not a, we're never deficient in that. Um, So so pulling back the shades, getting that blast of sunlight. But unfortunately, if you stay just behind the windows, you're still not getting that full spectrum light. So you're missing out on a, on a, uh, big chunk of that. So for me, what, um, both my boyfriend and I, no matter where we've been in the world, we have a, uh, kind of tradition of, and we just get up and go for a little walk. Um, often we go get, you know, like some tea or coffee or whatever. Um, and then that gets us that sun that gets us moving. Uh, but if you don't want to necessarily have a walk, often, you know, my clients that have dogs, like really win the day on this one for walking the dog. But, um, if you don't want to do the walk, then even just getting yourself outside, uh, doing even, I've had some clients to do their morning routine outside, uh, depending on where you might be living. Uh, but you're trying to get at least around 20 minutes in the morning of that light. Uh, and then certainly sprinkling that throughout the day as well, but, um, anchoring that there. And then I also turn up the thermostat in our space, because uh, I keep it really cool during the day, uh, or sorry, uh, during the night, and then turn it up during the day so that we're kind of cultivating that higher body temperature. Um, and then I do uh, breakfast in the morning and then do a kind of light, um, you know, snack a little bit later and then end early. So I do what's called early time restricted feeding. So that's your ending more in like around 4 PM or so during the day. Um, but then I know that might not be practical for a lot of people, but even if you push for say like five, six, um, that can be, you know, a great way that of course it's all dependent on your own schedule. But I'm just speaking of like in the, in general and generality. Um, but then ensuring that we're getting our exercise during the day, getting body temperature up, um, you know, important for the heart rate element of things, but we're also tracking things like respiratory rate while we're sleeping, heart rate, HRV. Uh, so and do all of the, so to do all those things, then we want to uh, ensure that we have a lot of movement throughout the day to improve on that sleep pressure. Um, I'm really conscious to not have much caffeine very late uh, because then that will. It certainly depends on the person, but I tend to be more sensitive to the ability to metabolize that. And uh, so you know, depending on where you're at, that making sure you really are conscious of that one. Um, and then when the sun sets going over into, um, really turning, like I virtually turn out most lights altogether. Um, but then there's some like red lights or Himalayan salt lamp lights and just very, very dim. Um, also wear blue blockers, uh, in the evening. And then that's when we begin to shift down the temperature in that space. And I, I really, uh, I have a knowing that in the future there will be, you know, circadian rhythm optimized, uh, you know, kind of tech. So our house will be outfitted so that we won't have to think of all this stuff. The temperature will shift so that we're not, you know, it's automatic. The lighting will shift. So it's automatic. Uh, but as of right now, you know, we have to kind of do it ourselves. And also if you are concerned about, um, EMFs or electromagnetic frequencies and having your whole space, just kind of like, you know, running on all of that, you might want to be mindful of just kind of making it more, uh, bare bones than, you know, having it such a internet of things, but either way, then, uh, then I'm really shifting over to 
once it's time to go to bed, then turning off all, you know, kind of electronics and uh, doing kind of like a wind down process for about like an hour or so, do a gratitude routine. I've done it every day for 2000 and like 80 something days. It's been insane. I've never done anything that that consistent. That's been nuts. Uh, but it, it it happens because I have uh, friends and family on the email. So now it's just become such a thing that, you know, it just helps with the, you don't want to break the streak at this point. Uh, so, so doing that is helpful. And there's a lot of studies that point to and positive psychology around the power of just gratitude and sleep. And, um, you know, so then I do practice with my boyfriend at night, uh, kind of like what we're grateful for. And often that will be like, you know, bring some funny laughs or silly things that will come about from that. And so then uh, kind of helps to to prime the bedtime experience with just a little bit more play, fun and ease, uh, certainly than I used to have. And uh, and then, you know, drift off to, to sleep in that way. But I also do have things like the chili pad. I was going to ask you about that. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's been really, really fantastic. I, I tried to, um, since, you know, we were traveling for like three and a half years and then prior to COVID, um, you know, would have been certainly traveling a lot more. So we do try to keep it really lean on all of the gadgets and gizmos because you can only travel with so much when you're hopping around. But um, but I will say that I've been a convert on this one because it's does make a big difference. Um, and now I'm like spoiled. I just went to uh, I just went to a trip in Utah recently and, you know, we're at a nice hotel and the whole thing, but it just, <laughs> it wasn't the same without your chili pad. Yes, exactly. It's ridiculous. Uh, but you know, and then I have different tech that I'll be tracking my sleep. So I have like the aura ring and the whoop band, I have the dream headband. Um, you know, there's different ones, it's biostrap, all kinds of things that you can, uh, measure your sleep with. And then that next morning you can kind of have a rundown of kind of what worked and what didn't. Uh, but certainly if I know if I have, um, I very rarely drink anymore because I see how much it just totally destroys my sleep. Um, and most people sleep, unfortunately, I'm talking even like one or two glasses of just about anything. (laughs) I mean, obviously there's different, you know, impact depending on the the choice, but, uh, all across the board that tends to happen. So I will know if on the rare occasion that I will have a drink, then I can anticipate a big change in my sleep quality. Um, and then if I do eat later than normal, then certainly a change in that too. And with the continuous glucose monitor, I often see the changes there. So do you wear a continuous blood glucose monitor? Um, I do. I don't have one on right now, but I have another set them, but to change it into, because they're every 14 days. Um, so you just put it in the back of your arm and then it will measure your glucose. And it's interesting because then there are certain times when it will be really low during the night and you can see um, how a number of people, if they do have um, instability in that throughout um, throughout their days, how that can impact their nights and often result in different types of wake-ups uh, because when we do have that crash, then there can be that um, adrenaline and cortisol kind of response that will, you know, as the body's uh, looking to kind of achieve balance in that. And so from that result, then that can cause people to wake up and not only to wake up, but to be like up because now they've had that, you know, adrenaline and cortisol uh, kind of experience. So uh, as much as we can stabilize that, so that's a big factor in, you know, the choices that I will make during the day, I know will then play into some of the quality of my sleep in the night. Hmm. That's so fascinating. The gratitude routine that you talked about, what does that look like for you? 
Uh, so for me, it's with, um, I do it on email because just, I'm, I personally respond well to accountability and just knowing that all those, um, you know, just a group of like friends and family and knowing that they're all on there and, uh, that it's been done so many times then, and it has like the numerical count and each day and whatever, then it's just, and often it's just silly things. Um, you know, it's like, and to start out, it's almost, I mean, even after this, 2000 something time, um, I almost always will start and be like, okay, what do I got? Like, you know, like it will be kind of a moment of like, what is there? And then all of a sudden you're like, oh yeah. And then that other thing happened. And oh, right. I forgot about that thing. Yeah. And you know, and some of it can just be so small, grateful for whatever the, the dishwasher. Uh, but you know, by doing that, then it kind of does help, um, almost act as like a little mantra or, um, rewiring really of your brain in a lot of ways, just since I think for most of us, we have a tendency of going to the opposite direction of like, what's wrong, what's wrong. So it can be helpful to remind us mm-hmm. that it can go the other way. <laughs> mm-hmm. So you sit, this is so cool. You actually send it to people. You're not writing it in a journal. You're emailing it. Do people respond? Yes. Yes. It, it depends on, you know, that I definitely, there's different ones where I know might get more responses than others. Like I've had, um, you know, uh, just something will happen like when we're traveling or what have you. So like if we're in Thailand and, Oh, just got like a massage for eight bucks for like an hour long massage. And like, you know, those sort of ones that you'll get some responses on those um, or just, you know, funny things. But what's been great is, is actually acted as a real connection piece um, to friends and family. And then uh, like under um, an umbrella of, you know, positive thing versus sort of like what's wrong, what's not working. Cause you know, of course we could all make those lists too. Uh, but you know, it's, it's been a really nice uh, way to stay connected with family, especially while we were traveling. Cause that can be, you know, a lonely process too, at different points. If you're um, you know, you're in a new environment, you're in a new place, what have you. So it keeps that connection and under a positive um, lens. Good. I love that. That's such a good idea. Where's your favorite place that you've been to? This is not a sleep question, but I have to know. I love that. Oh my goodness. Well, um, the place that I've had the best sleep, uh, period has actually been in Thailand. And, um, I, you know, I think there was a number of reasons around that, but the massages. Yes, probably the massages. I know my HRV was so good there. My heart rate was great there. Oh my God. Um, so, you know, and actually in that space, um, I actually did some research. I do a, a weekly newsletter every Monday called Molly's Monday Obsessions because I'm pretty obviously, if you can tell, like an obsessive personality. So just like whatever I'm getting all nuts about at each week as it relates to sleep. And um, so at the time during that in in Thailand, uh, we were in Koh Samui, so living like right on the water and got really obsessed in looking at um, just the power of, uh, of water and just to, uh, as its ability to... Um, uh, kind of calm our our minds from a place of almost the noise of it, so the white noise effect. Um, but also, ocean will provide a lot of minerals and uh, certainly magnesium. All of that can be helpful for sleep quality too, uh, and just the kind of the the calming effect of all that. Uh, and there's actually a great book. Um, I think it's more like. 
deep blue or something along those lines, looking at uh, the psychology of the why that as humans, we kind of are drawn to water. Uh, but yeah, so that was probably the best spot. And also any place that's going to have an abundance of light, um, hearkening back to that light topic is often going to be important for also, you know, mental health, but also um, sleep quality as it relates to this conversation. Have you learned how to overcome jet lag? Oh, great question. Um, so I have at this point, I use um, this app called Time Shifter that I think is uh, just awesome. Um, and that's really been a game changer for me of particularly on those long haul flights. You know, there's been different flights that they end up being with like the layovers and whatever, like 40 something hours. Um, you know, so with that, if you're not uh, if you don't have a bit of a strategy, then it can very easily lead you uh, astray. And uh, so with the time shifter, they actually use the same algorithm um, that NASA uses with their astronauts to keep their astronauts on uh, on their circadian rhythm while they're in space. Because as they are, um, you know, in their space shuttle, then essentially they, depending on, you know, where they're at and what have you, but often sun is rising and setting around every 90 minutes, which could be very confusing on the body. So they have have a really regimented um, system and they have something known as dynamic lighting versus static lighting. So they have a whole system that keeps, you know, the, that cabin um, on, on structure. So the same thing applies with this time shifter and it's really beautiful UI design. I had the, um, the creator of it on the podcast recently. Um, and with it, that it helps guide you also through the use of light. So you, what you do is you're bringing like blue blockers, uh, the baseball hats, all this stuff when it's time to be, you know, darkness, then you're really covering yourself up and, um, and shifting over to that nighttime approach. And then when it's meant to be daytime to shift to the space that you're going to, uh, then that's when you're taking off all that stuff. You're the person on the flight that has like the light on over you or whatever. Annoying light. Yes, exactly. You're that person. Yeah, exactly. And then that's also when you do see, I mean, of course, there's like um, connections, flights and what have you. But that's often when you can tell um, that many people are not as attuned to this, these topics because they're sleeping exactly when they should not be sleeping if if their destination is the same as yours. Uh, so so it will really have until more people are doing this, it's a bit of a lonely journey be from a perspective of you're like the only one with your stupid light on and you got like, you turn on, it's like one of the rare times where I would say for people to have like blue light exposure, because then that can help you stimulating and alert. Um, and also will you know, have different suggestions around if you're, if you're using, or if you're game to using caffeine or melatonin. Um, so you can strategically use caffeine and melatonin at those certain times. I'm not big on, um, uh, you know, beginning heavy onto either one. Um, but particularly, you know, knowing that melatonin is a hormone, I think a lot of people forget that and, you know, just being a little mindful of that. But if you are going to use it, uh, jet lag and also, um, people that are, uh, kind of, uh, in the elderly uh, population can be ones that can benefit from that. So those are two groups that could make sense to use that. But so that time shifter has been huge for me. So I don't travel, um, long haul flights without using that. Mm, I'm going to keep that in mind for whenever we travel again. Yes, exactly. I know it almost <laughs> feels like an old antiquated, like, like an old memory back when it used to be like that. When... 
Like yes. it's so different just eight months ago. Yeah. So if people people are listening to this and saying, like, I can't sleep, I'm having so much trouble, tell us more about how they can connect with you, about the courses you provide, and all the good sleepy things. Yes, sleepy things, exactly. Um, so we uh, have a, uh, on our website called sleepisaskill.com, um, really acts as a great kind of bucket for all the things. So if you go there, one, um, you can sign up for our free downloadable PDF called the Optimized Bedroom, and it'll give you all kinds of both low-tech and high-tech tips on how to improve your space um, to, you know, kind of uh, facilitate great sleep. And it will also sign you up for a weekly newsletter um, that Molly's Monday Obsessions that I was mentioning. So there'll be lots of free resources in there every week. Uh, and then in addition to that, if you, we have a weekly podcast, you can sign up to receive the Sleep is a Skill podcast. Um, and then we also have a sleep assessment. If your sleep is not where you want it to be and you want to go deeper, um, you can fill that out and then you get personalized response around that. Uh, and then we have small group cohorts and we're actually launching a new um, kind of uh, revised, new and improved uh, sleep optimization sleep course online. So that will, there's DIY options for if you, you know, wherever your finances are at, we're trying to make sure that we have different options for, um, for different people, wherever they're at. And then, um, and then of course we have like one-on-ones for people that want more, uh, kind of handholding on, on that. But for all of those, we also really strongly recommend a sleep tracker of some sort. We recommend the Aura Ring spelled O-U-R-A, uh, no affiliation, but we, you know, it's, it's a way for us to also link up and see your sleep stats too, along with your health stats so that we can help make a difference, um, you know, really immediately with the, with your numbers. So, uh, those are all the ways that you can begin to get connected. Of course, we're also on social and Instagram and Facebook and Twitter and all the things too. All the things. <laughs> you're, you're convincing me to get an aura ring. I've been thinking yes. about it for a while. Do it. Do it. Yeah. It's, I'm a big fan of it. I mean, for 2020, it's absolutely um, my preferred sleep tracker of choice. Um, and there's other great ones. You know, Whoop just got $100 million in funding just a couple of days ago. So I'm sure they're going to have some other cool things coming out too. So it's going to be dynamic. But as of right now, it's um, just a really nice experience and uh, very good at helping to underscore the behavioral elements. So you'll see You'll see that food if you eat it late. You'll see that uh, drink if you have it late or, you know, off really anytime throughout the day. Uh, you'll see it all show up. So it becomes yeah. really... A Doesn't it also show uh, like workout recovery? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it does. It does. So it will show how active you were throughout the day, your steps, your, you know, uh, so you can really get like a whole idea around, uh, around that and how it's impacting your sleep. It's so awesome. Molly, I've loved having you. Thank you so much for all the things. So much <laughs> to think about and consider. Highly recommend for people to check out your course or at least your blog and your your website and opt in for those things to get some things to help them sleep better because yes. it's so crucial. So crucial. Well, thank you so much for giving me the opportunity to speak about my favorite topic. And, um, and I love the work you guys are doing. So grateful to be connected, uh, you know, cause really very important topics. Here are my key pies takeaways from today's conversation with Molly McLaughlin from sleep is a skill. Number one is this. If you do not feel good, if you are tired, if you are chronically tired, if you are stressed, if you are not getting that rest and recovery that you need every single night, the relationships in your life are going to suffer. 
You need sleep for yourself, but also to have those healthy, thriving relationships in your life. So if it has been difficult for you to really focus on getting a good night's sleep because you don't like to sleep or you have racing thoughts or you just really are a workaholic or a Netflixaholic or whatever it might be, then maybe by reframing the need for sleep as seeing it how it affects the relationships in your life will be what you need to really prompt you to really focus on making sure that you have good sleep hygiene. It really does make a difference. The second key pies takeaway is I want you to focus on one thing that you can begin doing today that will help you sleep better tonight. Whether that is committing to getting out first thing in the morning, getting sun in your eyes, not looking straight at the sun, please no, but you know what I mean, getting out in the sun, walking in it, doing something active, getting your blood moving, that really begins to set that circadian rhythm. It also, the amount of sunlight you get in the morning helps you produce more melatonin at night, which is the hormone that our bodies secrete that help us to sleep even better. So, Maybe that's the one thing you want to focus on. Or maybe it's that you're going to commit to shutting off your phone for an hour before you go to bed and doing something that is less stressful, like reading, meditating, journaling, taking a hot bath, doing something to decrease your stress. We talked about a lot of things that you could do in today's episode. Pick one of those things and commit to doing it for at least the next 7 to 14 days and tell me if you see a change in your sleep habits. My third key pies takeaway is to consider creating a bedtime routine. Just like toddlers need routines, I know my three, almost four-year-old son needs that routine to know that it's almost bedtime and it really helps him to internally begin winding down. We as adults need that same thing. So for me, just to give you an insight as to what this could look like, my bedtime routine Well, honestly, it begins in the morning when I get up and get outside and go for my morning walk. But I also have honestly, I've stopped drinking coffee. I've stopped drinking alcohol for the past two months. I haven't had either of those things because I believed it was affecting my sleep quality. And I already have times where I'm waking up in the middle of the night for two to three hours at a time, can't go back to sleep. So this has become really important to me. So I've given up things that I loved or liked because sleep was more important. So my bedtime routine really begins then, but especially after dinner. I'm stopping eating dinner by 5.30 to 6 so that my body has time to digest my food so that that's not keeping me awake. We, My husband and I will watch one episode of a TV show, either 30 minutes or an hour, and then we turn off the electronics, we turn off the Wi-Fi in our house, lay in bed, and begin to read. I might do some nighttime journaling, meditation, but I'm going to have my screen off for at least 30 minutes to an hour before going to bed, and I have a set bedtime of 9.30. I know, I sound like an old woman, but that is what is helping me get the most sleep. I recently purchased an Aura Ring, which I'm not sponsored by them, but having this Aura Ring, which is a ring that you buy, you put it on, you sleep with it on, it tells you your heart rate, how well you're sleeping, how what percentage of the time you're asleep is in REM or deep sleep, how much you move throughout the night. And what I found is I really need to be in bed for nine to nine and a half hours in order for me to get eight hours of sleep, because that's how restless I can be during the night. My husband and I, we have air filters, we have humidifiers, we have a chili pad that we have on our bed now to keep things cool because I would get really hot in the middle of the night. 
So I have made huge strides in setting up my bedroom as a sanctuary where we're only in there at nighttime. We don't have any fights or disagreements in our bedroom. I'm not going to do homework, schoolwork, or work work in my bedroom. It's really devoted to sleep. So consider making a bedtime routine for you as well and customize it. It can be whatever calms you down and sets you up for a great night of sleep, but be sure you do it because sleep matters. Friends, I hope you enjoyed today's podcast. Remember to go and subscribe to this podcast and leave an honest review. I love to hear from you guys. So be sure to go and do that. And it will also help more people find the podcast as well. You can always find out more information by going to itstartswithattraction.com for show notes, for updates, and to join the email list so that every Friday you can get an encouraging email that specifically tells you what you can do to work on your pies so that you can become the best that you can be physically, intellectually, emotionally, and spiritually. Until next week, keep working on your pies and stay strong.